Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Well, four losses in six games, that means... Just cruising right along at 16 and one, and then... Yikes. Uh, so, okay, Landon, Nick, you guys, I think this, <laughs> as Nick is making the notes colorful, um, you guys remember back uh, probably around the time you guys joined the show, if not a little before, whenever Josh, Daniel, and I would do Don't Panic special podcasts. I do remember those. This is a good time for a Don't Panic show, I think. Or, I thought we just did one, like, th- three games ago. <laughs> right, or if you're Nick or in other people, you're just like... Uh, all the way panicked, I guess. Let's talk about it. The Jayhawks go down for the fourth time in the last six games. They lose to Iowa State in a game that they were never really in, at least not down the stretch. And we're here to talk all about what's wrong in Jayhawk land. This is Inside the Paint, show number 401, beginning the 400s with <laughs> this 53-point dud. I'm Ryan Landreth. I am Landon Fields. And I am uh, Nick Wipert. So right out of the right out of the the barrel here, uh, the Jayhawks take an ugly loss, 53 points. I'd love to tell you it's the fewest they've scored all year, but <laughs> nope, that was Tennessee, who didn't even score that many yesterday. If you want to look at the state of college basketball, yeah, that that was great. Uh, do we have anything that we want to talk about before the air horn? Like ugly, ugly, awful. We're gonna tell you why the sky is falling. I guess right. That's what that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, sounds about right to me. I think blow the air horn and let's get into it. All right. All right. Let's get right on top of it here. Let's do it. Number 13, Iowa State, 68. Number 8, Kansas. Oh, what? Wait, no. Let, let me let me try that again. Number 8, Kansas. Oh, the computer is just not working. Every time I try to find out how many points they scored. Number 8, like Kansas. Kansas. 53, oh, almost, 53 points, 53 points. Landon, you said the Warriors had 53 points in like halfway through the second quarter today, and Kansas got 53 in a game. Yeah, the Warriors had like, I think it was 71 or 73 at halftime of Saturday Night's Mm. game against the Mavs, and yeah, yeah, Kansas finished with 53 in 40 minutes. Yeah, Same sport, guys. Also, 53, they were kind of lucky to get to 53 because I swear like 75% of the way through that game, they had like 39 points. It was gross. It was everything. Good uh, is not one of the things that it was. So yeah, Landon did the notes today and he basically says Kansas was never in this game. Uh, yeah, that Kansas, it took Kansas 33 minutes to get 40 points on the board yesterday. That's uh, they, awful. They never had control of this. <laughs> Iowa State took a 13-5 to lead less than eight minutes in. 
Uh, Bill Self said on Friday that because of the early morning start, uh, whichever team woke up first had a great chance of getting this one in their pocket, and that's what Iowa State did. They grabbed the lead early. Kansas only led 3-2. to two. That's it. They did get the lead down to two late at the end of the first half before a Gabe Kalsher, because who else, late, late in the shot clock desperation three, really pulled Iowa State back out. Kansas opened the second half well, got it down to five, and then all that work was quickly undone. The Cyclones led by as many as 18 in the second half. They cruised to a victory. Uh, quickly, your thoughts. On a scale of one to ten, how big? How much trouble is Kansas in, with one being a they're fine and ten being a they're effed? A five. Okay, that's fair. I think, Nick, I think your number's going to be higher. I can explain myself later if you want, but Nick, I think you might have a fiery take. I'll say a, a five. Okay. Okay. Not too bad. All right, Landon, go ahead and uh, tell me what what's the state of this basketball team? Losers of four of six from sixteen and one to eighteen and five, and they've lost five of their last six or four of their last five rather four of their last five conference games. Yeah, I I think the thing we're seeing with Kansas is I don't think the problems are like these unfixable things, but they are becoming very consistent problems. They aren't being fixed yet. Now, of course, still a healthy amount of conference play to go. Eight games of conference play plus the Big 12 tournament before you get to, uh, you know, for reals, March. That's a lot of time. Obviously, we saw last year this team uh, also seemingly had problems, had a lot of issues, and were very frustrating, lost some games I don't think they should have, and then late in Big 12 play and in the Big 12 tournament, figure those things out in the form of one Remy Martin, and, you know, we we know how last season ended. I don't think that's in the cards for this team, because I think the problems are a little more fundamental than, well, let's just get a guy healthy and see what he does, because that's pretty much what happened last year. This team does not have bench production, or even if they do have bench production, the biggest problem that this team has in general is just they do not have a second scorer. Uh, Grady Dick uh, is becoming a problem, like an, an actual genuine problem mm-hmm. in a bad way for Kansas because it used to be for a while. It's like Jalen Wilson, number one, for sure. Grady Dick, number two, for sure. And then like KJ Adams, Dewan Harris, Kevin McCullough were all adding things, all adding scoring. And then those bottom three became much more inconsistent, not invisible, but inconsistent. But at least Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson were scoring. Well, lately it's been just Jalen Wilson has been the only one scoring very consistently. Yeah, Grady Dick has had some good games, don't get me wrong. He's he's not completely um, become invisible, but he certainly has become much, much more inconsistent. Uh, we'll read some stats of his later, but his three-point shooting has gone way down, especially in the losses. He's been non-existent from behind the arc, so going to have to figure some things out there, but the bench and the second score, lack thereof of a second score, um, that's what's hurting this team a lot, and I, I don't know how that's going to get solved unless Grady Dick just becomes, you know, Grady Dick against Indiana again, or Grady Dick in non-con again, I should say. Okay, Nick, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I would kind of echo the same thoughts that Landon has. I think that the biggest concern right now is the, the disappearance of Grady Dick and the fact that he just has not been making shots. And I would also echo the statement, that the sentiment that this team really just does not have scores outside of Jalen Wilson. There's been a few games, particularly against teams that don't have the best defense like Kansas State, where Kansas has been able to to, to still score points even with this offense, you know, DeJuan Harris got active, but then when they play a team like Iowa State, who's a little bit more f- solid fundamentally defensive-wise, uh, things start to just seem like to, to fall apart. They only scored 62 points in the first meeting against Iowa State, had the home crowd behind them. This game, 
uh, start off slow like they have been basically the past three months in a row now. Um, and, and it just never really found themselves back into the groove, you know, quickly cut the, the deficit to start the second half, but then Gabe Kalsher started making shots. So um, definitely uh, some things that are going to cause problems. All right, let's call our shots right now. The Jayhawks are 6-4. and four. They are in third place. They're tied for third place. They would be the sixth seed right now in Kansas City if the season ended because of their record against the teams in front of them. They are two games out of first place. They have eight games remaining. I'm going to read them off in order. Count how many wins this team will finish the year at right now, six and four. Here we go. Texas at home, at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State, Baylor at home, at TCU, West Virginia at home, Texas Tech at home, and at Texas to end the year. How many wins in the back eight? Six. Six or seven. Yep. That's, I think it's six or seven. I think six is six seems safe. And I know there's four road games in there. So that's that they, they need to expect to win at least six. If they win six, then that would put them at 12 and six. Are you confident that any of these teams are going to get to 13 and five? I'm becoming more confident in Texas, honestly. So you mm. think that Texas is going to make it through the year with no more than three losses when they still have road games at Kansas, at Texas Tech, at Baylor, and at TCU. Maybe the four toughest environments with when you pair with how good the teams are left. They have a home game against Kansas. They have a home game against an Iowa State team that's already beaten them by double digits. You think they're going at least five and three in those eight games? Because I'm not sold. I think so. They have a shot. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but they're... they're legitimately quite good i think that kansas is going to win it is going to finish with a share of this league at 13 and 5 i don't know if they're going to tie with texas i think they're going seven and one in the back eight and let's just let, let me call this for what it is they have issues they do but i've seen this enough to not panic because you look at the stretch ever since january 14th that's three weeks of basketball Kansas has played seven games. Six of them have been against teams that are currently in the top 15. And the one game that wasn't was a road game at Kentucky on college game day against a preseason top five team. I know that a three and four record in those seven games isn't great. And we all expected more than that. But can you honestly tell me that the that the current stretch they're on isn't more you think it's more to do with Kansas not being good than it is about that schedule? That schedule, we've never seen, I've never seen anything like that in my time covering college basketball. A seven-game stretch where six teams are in the top 15? Right, but when has Kansas ever lost five, three out of the last, you know, five in that gauntlet of a schedule? When is the last time this Kansas team in recent history, when they've had tough Big 12 schedules, laid an egg in three of the five games? It hasn't I mean, happened. We also haven't seen a league like this. I'm not, I think it's a combination of both. Kansas is not playing right now, or is not playing well right now. What Landon said, they have one score right now. They're not getting any help from guys not named Jalen Wilson. And clearly, Dewan Harris isn't playing well. KJ Adams has regressed a little bit the last few weeks. Kevin McCullough's been hurt. Grady Dick is not shooting the ball well at all. And the bench isn't playing well. All that, and they're still 500 against top 15 teams. Like, to me, that just shows how good this conference is. 
They should have won the K-State game. They were close at Baylor, and yesterday was a stinker. Like, I don't know. I, I just don't see the panic just yet with this team. Uh, they're 18-5, and five, and everybody's acting like they're they're 9-12. and 12. I don't know. I Maybe. I'm going to get right off the bat and say don't panic because... I think this Kansas team is going to win at Texas. Is going to win against Texas. I think they're going to win at Oklahoma. I think they're going to win at Oklahoma State, and I think they're going to beat Baylor at home. There's four. Would you wins. panic if they lose tomorrow night? Yeah, at that point, because then this team is showing us stuff that we haven't seen those past Kansas teams do. That would be multiple home losses in the same month. That would be five out of seven games. That would be a legitimate slump. As of right now, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt for losing three road games at top 15 teams and dropping a stinker at home to a team that had made more threes than they typically average in a game in the first 10 minutes against TCU. Landon, does that all sound right? I mean, I, I understand it. I, I am at a bit of an impasse with the team. I, I think they have every shot in the world to be just fine. Um but at the same time, like, I think this team does have more fundamental problems than I think we've seen a lot of Kansas teams have. Uh, and they don't they don't have a Remy Martin that's like, well, if that guy just gets healthy, and even if he's like 75% as good as we think he can be, then they're fine. They don't, they don't have that guy. Obviously, there's a couple guys that maybe could turn into that. But, I mean, if we haven't seen it by now, I don't know if we're going to. So, yes, I think this team can still finish the year very strong. I think this team very well could finish... Um, in at least a share of the Big 12 title. Um, and that could very well get them a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, but I don't know. I, I just think, I think we already are seeing how this team is going to lose in the NCAA tournament. And it's pretty much like this. They've lost four of six with the majority of those games coming on the road. And every one of the teams they're playing would be a three seed in the NCAA tournament. They're basically playing a sweet 16 game every time they go out there with the majority of them coming on the road, and they're losing half of them. Like, is there any team in the country that if you gave them an eight-game sample size against two, three, and four seeds, they would go better than four and four right now? Maybe Purdue, but, like, I, I that this feels like you're playing Sweet 16 games every night. You're not wrong. Um, I guess it just comes down to, like, it's a conversation of standards, right? Like, standards against most other basketball teams? Yeah, yeah, yeah this Kansas team is... is still really good and just fine uh if we're talking standards against kansas themselves which is often the standard that you're gonna have to use at kansas because of how good the team is admittedly uh this is this is a team that has a lot of flaws and a lot more flaws than normal do you think that's fair nick well, this is uh, six losses for Bill Self at Hilton Coliseum. They're 14-6 and six in his 20 years. They're just 4-3 and three on the road this year. And when you start looking at those opponents, Missouri unranked, uh, that uh, the wins. Missouri unranked, Texas Tech unranked, West Virginia unranked, and Kentucky unranked. So they're 4-3 uh, and three on the road, 4-0 and oh against unranked teams, and 0-3 oh and three on the road against ranked teams, and... You know, the Baylor game, they, they they got it a quick lead, but down the stretch, they never had a real chance to win that game with one or two good possessions. This game, they definitely weren't in, only 53 points. Uh, and the road games, I you know Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are your next two. Those aren't Purdue and, you know, like that caliber of teams, but they're still tough teams. We saw Kansas almost lose to both of those teams at Allen Fieldhouse. So this this conference, I'm not by any stretch saying that Kansas doesn't have problems. They're, they definitely have some issues. But am I willing 
willing to panic with this team? No, I think that this, we said, and you guys agreed with me, that every team, we said this when Kansas was 5-0, and by the way, every team in this conference is going to go through a, a stretch where they lose 4-6. We said that. Everybody but Texas has. Texas will take theirs. This is what's going to happen when you play in this conference. How many teams in this conference are going to be top five NCAA seeds? At least six. Yeah, a lot. I mean, it's several. It's This league is so good every year, and I don't like to be the bootlicker of the Big 12 because everybody always says that every year, and then they always all fart out in the, in the round of 32. But this year, really, more than any, it's shocking. Every game is a top 15 opponent. Like, this is the best Big 12 I, we've ever seen. Yes, and we say that every year, and I've never been more confident that we're right. All right, let's talk about the game a little bit here because we're, you know, we're 20 minutes into this podcast. We need to talk about the game. Uh, let's start with Jalen Wilson. Uh, he was, once again, not the issue. Somebody on Twitter uh, made a joke about how it's not Danny and the Miracles, it's Jalen Wilson and the Lacklusters, which that's kind of what it feels like because Wilson is great. 26 points. In a game where they only scored 53, that's a lot. And nine rebounds, seven of 16 from the floor, three for eight from three. The first half, the only reason that they didn't get buried by 20 right out of the shoot is because Jalen Wilson was making threes in the first half. Uh, he barely missed out on playing 40 minutes, too, being pulled at the very end for walk-ons. He was also a very good 9-for-11 at the charity stripe. Uh, he's easily a first-team All-American, and in a show where we're, gonna, where we're talking about Kansas's issues and what they needed to fix them, I don't think we need to say a word about Jalen Wilson analysis-wise. He's not the problem, and we, we, we know that we can trust him on any given night to put up numbers. Yeah, Nick, do you have anything to add there? He was great. Yeah, no, you can't add anything else. He's doing everything for this team. He's he's carried them on his back when they keep losing. Now let's work our way into the actual problems because they have some problems, perhaps none bigger than Grady Dick. Landon, tell me about it, and then let's let's start trying to figure out what the heck is wrong with the guy that we were so sure was going to be a top five pick. Yeah, in this game particularly, he was two of six overall, which isn't atrocious, but not great. One of four from three, same. Seven points, five turnovers, no assists, one rebound in 30 minutes. He's still shooting 36% behind the arc in conference play. I think he's still at 42% on the season as a whole. Uh, but yep. only 39% from the floor in conference play. In Kansas's four conference losses, he is six for 25. That is 24% Oof. from behind the arc. Clearly, this guy, super talented. You can still see that. I mean, he's a 6'8 shooting guard, but... Obviously, something has changed, because this guy was a Clay Thompson clone in non-con, and he has been far from that since the Big 12 has started. What's the problem? Well, uh, I think the first thing I noticed, I'm looking at his conference stats. Good good stat research on that uh, is his three-point percentage in conference play. I mean, he was, he was over... Like, he was at like 50% whenever we got to conference play, and now just 36% in conference play from three, as you said. The the fouling is way up, too. Averaging three fouls per game, uh, it's gotten him in and out wherever we've seen a couple games. He's gotten in early foul trouble, uh, so that hasn't been great. He's turning the ball over more. As many turnovers as assists for Grady Dick in conference play. And the volume, I mean, 39% from the floor whenever you're not even making four shots a game. This was the guy that we considered to be a safe second best scorer. And Nick, recently, uh, it hasn't been Jalen, Grady, and the other scorers. It's been Jalen and everybody else. Surely you got to think that Kansas has some issues, but none of them are bigger than Grady Dick right now, right? 
Yeah, uh, it's certainly discouraging. You know, you talk about a different scenario where maybe he starts the year and, he, and he's just been like this all year, but he legitimately started the season in conference play for that matter. And a few games in conference play has been a great shooter and, uh, you know, quickly rised up in stock to us. And we thought he was going to be an automatic lock to, to leave for the NBA draft. And now you're sitting here thinking maybe it might be in his best interest to come back next year if things progress like this. Uh, maybe the stock is, is falling a little bit and uh, – I think that there's certainly cause for concern. You talk about shooters, and particularly three-point shooters, don't often go through slumps that last this long, um, and it's, it's, it's concerning. I don't know how else to put it. Landon, I did see that floated around Twitter a little bit this week. Uh, is there any chance that we're seeing Grady Dick work his way into maybe coming back for a second year? A lot of season left. If the rest of the season is seven points and five turnovers and 34% from behind the arc, uh, then maybe. <laughs> um, I, I suspect cons- it won't be. Yeah, even then I would consider it probably unlikely, but, uh, it, you know, also if he flips the switch again and, and ends the season really well, then then no shot. So I'd say very unlikely. And you honestly, you don't want him to because you don't want him to end the season bad. Right. Uh, yeah. you, want him no. to, you want him to be good enough to go pro instantly. See, I kind of think that this is the trajectory we've seen Kansas players have where they start off really well, and then they kind of have a lull, and then they go back up. Wayne Selden did that. Ochai Abaji honestly kind of did that too. I suspect Grady Dick's going to get it going, and they have games at home coming up where against uh, some of the lesser teams in the Big 12. They get Oklahoma and Oklahoma State on the road. I guess their next two home games are against top 10 Texas and top 11 Baylor, so forget that. Uh, but I suspect you're going to see Grady Dick play a lot better. But he's also, it's its a lot of it's mental at this point. Like, there were a couple of plays in the game against Iowa State. One of them when DeWan Harris threw a lob to him and it just went right out of his hands and went out of bounds. Like, he's clearly trying to fight off a couple things right now and uh, feeling the pressures of seeing what happens to the rest of the team whenever he doesn't score the ball. I suspect he will be fine. Uh, I actually don't think he's the biggest problem on the team right now. I think that the guy we're going to talk about next is the current biggest problem. Uh, But I suspect Grady Dick, of all the guys that we think could potentially be issues, Grady Dick is the one I am the least concerned about long term. I think this is a little mini slump, and I think he's going to be just fine. However, Nick, this other guy, this is one that I think we legitimately may have a problem. Uh, KJ, uh, uh, Kevin, uh, uh, Dewan Harris continues to be highly ineffective, uh, scorer at least, uh, two points, one for five from the floor, 0 for three from three. He had three assists, three rebounds, came off of a 18 point game last game. So we have to, we have to remember that. Um, what happened to early season Dewan Harris, who was an offensive maestro and defensive genius is, is when he hit his head at K state, uh, things just kind of falling off the, the, the tracks, the train going over the, the, the bridge or what? I mean, Landon, I think they just started playing better teams. That's my guess. Uh, because if you look at, if you look at the one Harris, good God, it's worse than I thought. So the last eight games for Kansas or excuse me, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games in which they are three and four. And that is Iowa State at K-State, TCU at Baylor, at Kentucky, K-State, and at Iowa State. Uh, Six of those seven teams are currently ranked in the top 15. The gauntlet, if you will. Dewan Harris made seven baskets against uh, K-State on Tuesday night. Dewan Harris has made seven baskets, or actually it's worse, six baskets in the other six games in that stretch. That's a problem. That's really bad. Um, 
it might be the better teams thing. But I don't know. At the same time, I mean, he's a veteran in college basketball now. He's played in the Big 12 for years at this point. Like, this shouldn't really be new. Then again, we've also not really seen him play consistently elite offensive basketball against Big 12 teams um, in his entire career. I don't, it is it is really worrying because when he is m- really running the offense and managing the game um, in a fluid manner, this offense is is really good. Uh, we saw that against K-State. We've seen that in all non-con. Anytime he's played well, really, we've seen that this year because when he played well, he was a completely different player than he was last season and was a much, much better one. Lately, I'm going to yes. say this again. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to say this again. I said this last season, and I kind of recanted earlier this season and, and kind of gave DeWan Harris his props, but I am going to go back into the camp of I don't think he's very good. I don't know. I, mean, I think he is good. I just think he is, like a lot of players on this team, inconsistent. I think. I mean, his, bread and, he's butter, a, his bread and butter was transition passes and known for his lockdown defensive ability. And obviously, the tra- he's turning it turnover prone, more turnover prone than he's ever been in his career this season. Uh, the efficiency has completely gone down. The assist to turnover ratio, and that was his bread and butter. When you don't have anything else to prop your game up against, because he doesn't, because he's not a good scorer and he doesn't do anything else very well, there's legitimate consideration that at Kansas specifically, playing for this program, he's not very good. So last, uh, the last seven games that we just said since January 14th. The gauntlet, if you take out the K-State game to Juan Harris, is 6 for 32 from the floor. I, I think the the biggest problem with DeWan Harris, and this has always been the biggest problem with DeWan Harris, and it continues to be so, is that he does not score. And now, we, like Nick said, he is coming off an 18-point game in the previous one, like, that's, At least he's you know, taking shots now, though. He's taking more shots than he's ever taken. But I man. agree with that. When you when no, any, I, like, wait a minute. It's always he the most un- even look to score the ball though. He, he's okay. the least he, aggressive. Remember last season? Last season didn't try to squ- shoot at all. This season he's oh, yeah. shooting Here, threes. It's more, and, and it feels like the dynamic this season is that the shots you don't expect him to make, he makes, and the shots you're hopeful that he makes, especially against Iowa State when they needed a few clutch threes, they didn't go in. It is so hard to win in college basketball. Whenever, especially when you're playing against elite defenses, which the Big 12 is filled with, it is so hard to win those games if your point guard isn't scoring or even trying to score. And you look at KU, the center we've talked about, he's not a particularly great scorer whenever Dewan Harris isn't playing well. Kevin McCuller has struggled to throw it in the ocean as of late. Grady Dick's in a slump, and the bench has given you nothing. Dewan Harris is the leader of this team. They need Dewan Harris to go get them seven or eight points a night, and he is not doing that. He is averaging seven points per game in conference play. It's because there are two 18-point games in there. None of the other games have been higher than 11, and there's only been a couple of them. Zero, three, zero, two, eight, 18, and two in the last seven games. Not good enough for them to beat good teams. And then you look at the rest of their uh, the rest of their point guards. Joe Yesifu, I know he made a couple garbage time baskets in this one. He can't be trusted to score. Bobby Pettiford is, he scores less than Dewan Harris does. Yeah, Bobby Pettiford is just a little bit more raw version of Dewan Harris, which is, yep. is not very good. 
yeah, they need Dewan Harris to be to be better than this. And the the thing that I think separates this year from last year, I don't know how you think about it, Landon, uh, but Dewan Harris, I, last year, I didn't think he could score. This year, it's more frustrating because I know he can. I've seen him do it. He just doesn't look to score, and they need that. No, I, I don't disagree. Like, he's flashed the ability. And again, he's not like... He's not just this amazing jump shooter, but yeah, he's got to attack the basket um, some, right? And the free throw problem we've talked about a bunch, he doesn't hardly ever shoot free throws despite being a decent free throw shooter because he doesn't attack the basket. He doesn't look to score at the rim. He doesn't look to get contact. He simply looks to just kind of pass it around and dribble around, which again has been a lot better this season in in large part, but like he's got to do something. He has to do something to look to score, because um, he's also not just racking up assists the last handful of games either. I mean, he's still been getting them, but he's got to attack. He's and I think he, he's got to attack um, and, and try to try to score. Because if he can try to actually score, he's going to draw the defense. He's going to be able to get more assists because that's how that works. Yep, and that's hand-in-hand in, hand in what you just said, looking to, looking to drive to the cup. If you're going to be 6-for-32 from the floor in a seven-game stretch, he's only attempted any free throws in one of those seven games. Six of those seven games, zero free throw attempts. That can't happen either. That's a guy that's giving you nothing, and we know how much he plays. He averages darn near 40 minutes a game. This year averaging what? What's he averaging minutes-wise? I'm assuming it's like 34 or something like that. Yeah, 33.3. I mean, he's he's got to be better uh, from an offense perspective. And I think they know that. I got to think that they know that. Um, he's struggled. Uh, let's talk about Kevin McCuller while we're talking about guys who can't score here. Uh, are you picking up on a theme here, asks Landon, after we talk about all these players that are struggling to score? Uh, nobody can score consistently unless the name is Jalen. McCuller had two points. Jeez, I didn't even know it was that bad. On Jeez. one of four shooting. He did have 11 rebounds in 23 minutes. He has led them in rebounding four games in a row. Uh, he's become a legitimately bad three-point shooter, 26% in conference play, and he barely even takes some of the open looks he gets. Uh, something else I'm noticing about Kevin McCuller is it's now becoming a thing at least once a game. He will take a three from the corner that will either miss everything or narrowly graze off the rim. Oh. Oh. Yeah, he's taken oh. some apocalyptic ones. That's it. Nick just made a meme that made me sigh as hard as it did whenever I saw DeW or, uh, Kevin McCullough's shooting percentages. Um, I, why? It, it, Gabe Kalsher can make all the corner threes. Why can't uh, Kevin McCullough? What's going on? He's not a good three-point shooter. Yeah, but he was... He wasn't great at Tech, but he was in the mid-30s. Like He was like 34%. That 34% would be great for this year's team. Yeah, Kevin McCullough's going through a slump that you would expect, right? For a guy that shoots in the mid-30s, you're probably going to have some stretches like this. Um, and that's going to happen. It just sucks that it's happening now when they need it the most. Well, and if on, on top of all that they can't score and they can't shoot, it's even better when they have turnovers, right? 20 of them in this game. That's a season high. Uh, they only made 17 field goals, which means that stat that we love reading about the lousy teams, they had more turnovers than baskets. That was Bill's Jayhawks. 17 of 44, which is a much better shooting percentage than I thought they were going to have. That's 38%. Felt like that they should have been 28. Was that like after you add in some garbage time makes, I assume? Because there's that no was way it was that every high. field goal. So or I guess that made. was also... That also was... They probably didn't shoot as bad as it seemed. They just gave the ball away on half their possessions. Yeah, that was also the case. 
Yeah, they could have we had 60 that. shots if they didn't turn it over so many times. We said going into this game, we said it last time. They just played Iowa State a few weeks ago. Iowa State shot like 17 more baskets attempts than Kansas in the game at Allen Fieldhouse. And they made 20% less than Kansas did. But because they force so many turnovers, they get so many extra possessions, that's how they stay in games with a lower percentage from the floor offense. So what does Kansas do? They give them 20 turnovers. You can't do that against this team and expect it not to burn you. And then we there were so many bad ones, man. There were so many just bad turnovers in this game. Just a bad game all the way around from the Jayhawks. Nick, let's talk about the bigs. Let's add them in here uh, to, the, to the party of suck. Tell me about uh, these guys. Yeah, uh, KJ Adams was largely fine. He had seven points, four rebounds. Three assists, three for six shooting in 33 minutes. Ernest Uda was the only other true five to get meaningful time. He did absolutely nothing. Uh, one point, two boards, two turnovers. Zach Clemens played 21 seconds, according to the box score. Uh, do you guys think Ernest actually is actually coming along, or is he not going to be consistent enough by the end of the season to contribute in any meaningful way? Uh, so Ernest Uday did not play well in this game. He cannot stop fouling. Um, but, at the, but at the same time, um, they, they have to get a minute. I posted it. They, they pulled him from the game after he made a couple mistakes and I posted, okay, he made a bad play. They took him out and somebody jumped in there and said, no, it's cause he got two fouls. Okay. Well, that's even better. You got to play him through mistakes. You, you're not saving Ernest Uday to be available at the end of the game. Let him get his five fouls. Let him get experience because Man, what else do you want at this point? Ernest Uday is coming along, yes, but it's not going to happen uh, in time for him to be where Kansas needs him because they waited way too long to get him playing time. Is that accurate? I think so, yeah. I totally agree. Let let Ernest, you know, not do whatever. I mean, if he's actively being terrible and losing you a game, no. But yeah, let him, let him rack up some fouls. That's fine, yeah. KJ is the one you're going to want out there at the end of a game most of the time. And I didn't think KJ was bad in this game. He didn't have a super sexy stat line, but his effort was great. He made half his shots, and he did the most when the ball was given to him. By the time that it was time to get him the ball, the ball had already been turned over most of the night. So I really can't put much of this on KJ. Zach Clemens got a knee sprain or a contusion, or what was the official? And he he so it was he was fighting for a uh, it was on one of the turnovers, and he actually made a great block on Caleb Grill. Uh, to uh, to save a layup temporarily, and then he went down holding his knee. Uh, and there's a couple of articles. Yeah, uh, it's from from today. Zach Clements will miss time due to a knee injury. So there goes that. We talk about Bobby Pettiford being injury prone. That's like the third or fourth injury that we've seen Zach Clements have in his career as well. Landon, you found an insane stat, one that I didn't even think about. Tell me all about this sexy stat here. Let me get the sexy sacks noise up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I saw this yesterday, and it just came back to me. Uh, 53 is the lowest point total in Big 12 play in the Bill Self era. That's disgusting. I didn't realize that. There have been a lot of Big 12 games in the Bill Self era, and never before had they scored as few as 53 in a game. Yeah, it's All really gross. Offenses... I mean, I was, they've had worse, like Temple from a few years ago, Kentucky from several years back, but in Big 12 play, never been worse. Yikes. Yeah, this is normally where they run. That is uh, that is that is really really bad. 
speaking of the uh, spiritually, oh yeah, well, somebody who, if they just took all the shots, would have scored 153 points in this game. Who else? Gabe Kalsher. Who isn't white, but you know what? I... He's a, it's kind of like whenever you, you're a famous person that goes to a school but doesn't graduate. You know how I'm sure they're going to give Patrick Mahomes an honorary degree from Texas Tech even though he didn't graduate? Gabe Kalsher gets honorary white guy status because, oh my gosh, that guy's made 600 damn baskets against Kansas. I swear to God. And then you also had Jaron Holmes. Just oh, yeah. whenever Iowa State needed a momentum-changing three, he had one. Uh, he made four. Do you know how many times before this game he had made four in a game this year? Zero. Uh, zero? Yeah. I hate to I hate to have Nick spoil it, but yeah, he's right. It was zero. Uh, season high. We also may have survived the Caleb Grill era. He did make a bomb that kind of served as the dagger in this game. It was <laughs> from right in front of uh, where TJ Olselberger stands on the sidelines. Well, that's fair. But at least he didn't make four. He didn't make a game winner, which came really close like three weeks ago to doing that. All right, let's talk about the backup point guards, Landon. Get through that, and then we'll uh, we'll give some closing thoughts. Because we started off by saying, "Hey, you know what? It's not great, but it could be okay." And then we just kind of melted down, and now we're gonna we're gonna tie it back up. You know, kind of like how we described the potential season that Dewan Harris or that Grady Dick is having. Started off like, "Hey, this is okay," and then oh my gosh, it's bad in the middle. And now we're gonna tie it up on a high note. That's the hope, anyway. Uh, Joe Yesifu was actually fine. Eight oh, points. Whatever. Two kinda. of five from three. I mean, his stat his stat line was acceptable. Yeah, they were unconsequential shots, but yeah, his stats were fine. That is true. Uh, in nearly 20 minutes for Joe. Uh, Bobby Pettiford did not score on the, his lone shot taken in eight minutes. He wasn't very good. Wow, yeah, he had three assists. Shocked. Three turnovers. Yeah. Uh, and then MJ Rice. Gotta love players that not only don't score, but they also turn it over. Uh, MJ Rice did almost literally nothing in just over four minutes, and Mike Jankovic did not record a stat in two minutes. A garbage time. If you want to know where Nick's brain is, uh, Landon asked for thoughts, and <laughs> Nick <wrote laughs> don't, 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 before you comment, Before you comment, this is a, a reference to Impractical Jokers, so it's not my thoughts. It, uh, well, I mean, it's something we've all thought. Nick says if no, I had tits. No, 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 no. Well, if I had a good basketball team to watch, I would. I would uh, play with I them would, all day, yeah. too. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, just kind of about the, the Joe Yesifu is is one of the greatest players I've ever seen at putting up like seven to ten points in games where they're getting slaughtered and they it's never going to matter. And then whenever they put him in there when they're down three and you're like, please make this clank every time. Yeah. Closing thoughts. Not Nick's closing thoughts. Nick, what are but... your basketball closing thoughts? Yeah, let's tie uh, it all This game up. was not good. It's like a lot like the TCU game. Um, makes you want to turn the TV off early and stick your finger down in the garbage disposal. Uh, but, you know, beside that, you know, it's a new day tomorrow. KU has a chance to get back off the schneid again uh, against a, a very good Texas team who's in first place in the conference. And I think everyone's feelings would be much better if they win tomorrow. Here's my thoughts. I'm going to try to piece this together. and We're doing pretty good on time, so I'm going to try not to go on too long. We've all been through. We just took a big chunk of time and told you all about the issues Kansas has. I think Grady Dick is fixable. I think DeWan Harris is fixable. 
And I think Kevin McCuller is fixable. These are all three. One of them is a super talented shooter that is still, despite the slump, his slump is a high 30 three-point shooter. High 30% three-point shooter. And Harris and McCuller are veterans on teams that have won NCAA tournament games that I suspect will be fine. But this team has a less margin for lower margin of error than a lot of teams do that we've seen in the past. And oh my gosh, if Jalen Wilson ever goes through a slump where he struggles for four or five games, you may really be asking, be, be gasping for oxygen at that point. But based on what I've watched in my entire life with Kansas and Bill Self, I suspect they're going to turn it around. I think they're going to win the majority of their upcoming games. And I think entering the final week of Big 12 play, they will have a great chance to win the Big 12. Kansas is plus 450 to win the Big 12 right now on DraftKings. Love those odds. That's great value. Put 50 bucks down on that, and that will win what? It'll win you like 280 bucks or something like that. That feels like a good bet if you're looking for some value and you still believe in this team. If they lose to Texas, then we really have problems. But Texas at home is a game that we've always seen the Kansas teams in years past win. Even the not-so-good ones. Until I watch them lose that and just see the floor totally fall out in the middle of Big 12 play, I'm going to have confidence in Bill Self's teams being in the top of the standings come season's ends because I have seen that way more often than not. Landon, your thoughts? Well, I think also the last few years has also put in perspective how just stupidly impressive... Uh, it is to win 15 consecutive Big 12 titles. 14, but hey. 14. Just regardless, psycho. Just absolutely psychotic to have done that uh, in this league. Even if the league wasn't always this good all the time, it was still a very good conference. Very difficult to win. Um, I don't know. Uh, You're 100% right on the margin for error. This team has probably the smallest margin for error that I can remember from a Kansas team. Um... And that's ah, that's a little bit of a stretch. Like people were comparing this team to the eighteen nineteen team not too long ago, and they were saying like this is the exact same team. No, it's like they said that no, team on nights not. when Diedrich wasn't playing. Yes, this team has better players. Yeah, this team is is decently better than that one. I would say for sure. Uh, they still have a small margin for error. I think that eighteen nineteen team was just worse. I don't know if that maybe maybe that does mean they have a smaller margin for error. I don't know. I think that was just a not as good a team. Um, for another day, though. Yeah, I think this team definitely has a lot of problems. I agree. I think ninety percent of them are fixable. But my hunch or my worry, I'll say, not my hunch. My my biggest concern is that the ones that might hurt them the most are the ones that are not as fixable, like the bench production. I just don't know if they're getting anything from that. And again, if Kevin McCullough, Grady Dick, and Dewan Harris and KJ Adams all return to what we saw, even even a, a you know a semblance of what we saw in non-con, um, then yeah, this team can be super super good, make a huge run in March, and, and be very very good. But yeah, and, well, I don't know if that's happening. And I would guess, yes, we don't know. We genuinely don't know. Last year, North Carolina was in the toilet right now, and they wound up make, winning the nat, or they wound up getting to the national title. Heh, <laughs> they didn't end up winning it because I know who did. It's not going to surprise us at all if this team is in the final four. It's not going to surprise us at all if this team loses to the six seed. They're going to play in the second round. But as of right now, I think Kansas will be at minimum a number two seed. I think they will tie for the league title, and I think we're going to be in a completely different spot in a few weeks. I've seen it more often. We've been in this spot a handful of times. 
More often than not, that's happened. Remember the 2018 team? They were eight and four. They got blown out at a Baylor team that didn't win, the, that didn't make the tournament, and we were all ready to panic. That Kansas team wound up winning like 11 of their next 12 when the schedule got a little bit easier, and look what happened. Yeah, but they got a I, that superstar team, player. I said that team had like a hugely high ceiling. Because oh, I have way more confidence that goals. Grady Dick can get it going than I did compared to uh, if you had told me Malik Newman was going to be a star at that point in the season. That's fair, but I mean that team still had was led by Svima Kailuk and Devontae Graham and had Yudoka as a bookie. Yep, yeah, there's different pieces for sure. Uh, but remember, three weeks ago we were talking about if this year's, and none of us said it was, but we were getting questions about if this year's team was better than last year's squad that won the championship. And you're not wrong about that a, either. That's for sure. We, we talked about that several times. Yep, there is a ton of different ways it could go, and I think the only way to know, this is going to sound like you know the, the what your parents would tell you is again, let's just see how it plays out. And let's say they lose every game for the rest of the year. They won the Natty less than a year ago, guys. They won the national championship. At the end of the day, you can't win it all every year, and they're still really, really good. Big 12 games. Well, the league continues to get weirder, but there may be one team kind of rising to the top a little bit, and it's not the team in purple, despite their best efforts. Uh, Number 10, Texas, 69. Number 7, Kansas State, 66. I don't know if they sandstormed, but if they did, it ended with a... Because yikes, Landon, that was a choke. Not for Texas, though. A spectacular week for the Longhorns, who beat two top 11 teams, and now sitting outright first place at 8-2 overall in the league. They're two games ahead of Kansas with eight games to go, though, of course, Kansas gets a chance to get one right back tonight. K-State led by 11 at halftime and completely blew it down the stretch. Serge Barry Rice and Christian Bishop, who had the final bucket of the game for the Longhorns, both finished with 14 K-State is now 2-4 and four in their last six conference games, just like their neighbors to the east. Uh, Missouri, Iowa State, not Kansas doesn't go 2-4 and four in six games, uh, you right? You're going to want to double-check real quick, Ryan. Got some bad news. Damn it, Bill! That's all my computer said after I looked that up. So here's the thing about this. I think Texas is good, and I think it's that you look at the roster and it's loaded. It's not a surprise that this team's having this kind of success. Still think they're, they're, that their stretch is coming. Will their stretch be two out of five, or will it be three out of four? We'll see. But Texas has an opportunity to win this league. They have an interim coach. We'll see if it runs out of gas at some point, but it's been really, really spectacular to see how they've managed to keep it together, proving Chris Beard is really worthless. He wasn't needed at all. That guy sucks. He can go suck a fat egg. As for Kansas State, we kind of wondered if this was going to happen. The talent gap in this game alone is staggering. K-State's got two really good players, but they have to have wondered if they've already peaked. That's, as Landon said, two and four in their last six conference games. I suspect that the, the whereas I'm confident KU will turn it around, I don't know about K-State. I think K-State may be starting a downward descent. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think that's the one thing you have gotten right so far in this Big 12 schedule is that Kansas State is due to have one of these these little stinker rounds runs. Um, it, it's unfortunate Kansas is kind of aligned with him as well, like he said, two out, two out of four in the last uh, two for four in the last six games. Definitely trending downwards is K State. I still think that they're the top 
they're in the top three teams in the conference. I think KU, K-State, and Texas are the three best teams in the league. There might be an argument for Baylor to be over there as well. Uh, and then Iowa State closely, maybe in the top five as well. So it's a very concentrated top five in this conference, I believe. And then everything else falls out from then. But uh, K-State, they'll be fine. I think one thing that they have that savings grace, they have a saving grace un unlike Kansas. And I know Jalen Wilson has been so good. But K-State has two or three consistent shooters. KU has one. So K-State has TCU at home, at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma. We're all pretty confident there's a loss in there, right? Probably, yes. Okay. Then they have Iowa State at home, Baylor at home, at Oklahoma State. We're pretty confident there's another loss in there, right? You'd think. So, the, I mean, that's four and two in that gauntlet, and that would get them to six losses already. I think seven or eight losses are on the table for K-State, and I don't think going 10 and eight in this conference is the mark of a lousy team. 10 and eight may get you a five seed in this conference. I just think K-State is outmatched against some of these teams, and we will see if that ends up being correct. Number 11, Baylor, 89, Texas Tech, 62. The most impressive performance, I would say, by a Big 12 team. Nick, tell me about the Bears. Yeah, the Baylor Bears completely dismantled Texas Tech. Number, uh, or you said 27 points, uh, 18 points from Jalen Bridges, but the day was about Jonathan Chambuachachua, who returned eight days shy of a calendar year after devastating his knee injury. Uh, he scored eight points in 14 minutes. Baylor is 6-1 and one in their last seven Big 12 games. We know Texas Tech is bad. Is Baylor a legitimate threat to challenge Kansas, Kansas State, and Texas for a, a piece of the Big 12 crown? Yes, Baylor and Kansas and Texas are the best three teams in this conference. I don't know if the final standings will show that. I predict they will. But those are the best three teams. Those are the three teams that have the best chance to go far in the Big 12 tur or in the NCAA tournament. They are the three most talented teams. Baylor had their rough stretch at the start. Kansas is having their rough stretch in the middle, and I predict Texas will have their best, their rough stretch in the end. It wouldn't surprise me if we have a three three-way tie atop the Big 12, and I mean, that'd be fine with me, because Landon, who doesn't love a good three-way? Right, I mean, that's what I've always said. Um, I think Baylor's really Oklahoma good. Oklahoma uh, State! Oh, okay, No, no, All go right. for it. No, I, I don't care to actually say anything about Baylor. I was just trying to fill. Baylor is really good. They have the three. They have the best three-headed punch in the Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma State, 79, number 15, TCU, 73. I'll take this one, because as Nick was uh, giving me some props about my K-State takes, TCU's looking really sad, even though I feel like it doesn't really count because they're losing so I mean, many they don't players have Mike at this Miles. point. Or Eddie Lampkin. Neither one of them played. TCU is two and four in their last six games, like Kansas State and uh, anybody else. Any anybody else? Damn it, Bill! And uh, here's the Big Twelve for you. TCU is two and four in their last six games. The wins are by a combined 37 points against Kansas at Allen and Kansas State, both currently in the top ten. This conference is basically, you know, the 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 old man in a red shirt shrugging emo or a gif that goes around. That's the Big Twelve right now. Uh, the Cowboys have actually been really good as of late. They've won five of six. They went from they blew a huge lead in this game. They led by nineteen. Uh, then they were actually trailing at the final TV timeout. Ultimately survived a career best twenty five points from Khalid Boone helped them do it. Do the Cowboys have an NCAA path? I feel like five hundred in this league should be an auto bid. They have a chance, I think. They've been playing very well lately, and that'll do it. 
They're five and five. They almost won at Allen. They almost won at Bramlage. Like, yeah, this team's playing well. And we'll see. Kansas and Kansas State both have to go down there. Baylor still has to go down there. You got to think with the way they're playing, they're taking down at least one, if not two of those teams at home. I think Oklahoma State's pretty clearly that seventh best team in the Big 12. We thought for a while that the Big 12 was a top six. I think it might be a top seven because those bottom three teams, eh, they kind of stink. Two of them here. West Virginia, 93. Oklahoma, 61. Landon with the song in the background. How about this? Yeah, West Virginia drew 26 fouls and made more free throws than Oklahoma made baskets. That sounds kind of like someone else I know. A ridiculous <laughs> 34 points from Eric Stevenson, who was 13 of 23 from the floor. Very good day for him. The Mountaineers started 0-5 in Big 12 play, but they currently sit at 3-7 for their last six in total. Uh, also, much like the, the Cowboys, do the Mountaineers have a tournament path, Nick? They do. Uh, Tanner Groves is not, though. He He's not very good. He had zero baskets, 5,011 minutes. Yeah, yeah uh, this Oklahoma is my Tanner is Groves terrible. thoughts. You suck, you jackass. Tanner Except Groves could have... Except when he's playing Kansas in the NCAA tournament. Is it fair for me it's to say like if Allie Tanner Frugmanish. Groves... If Tanner Groves was on fire, and I'm saying, and I had a glass of water, that I would drink it right in front of him, is that fair to say? I am so hurt by Tanner Groves. <laughs> Let's I don't think West that is Virginia's. fair, but it is funny. West Virginia's three and seven. I think they've got to get at least seven wins. Historically, every Big 12 team that has ever won eight league games in the current format of its 18 games, every one of them has made the NCAA tournament. So eight is the magic number. They would need to go five and three in the last eight games. And they have more home games uh, against uh, crappy teams. They still have home games against Oklahoma State. They still have home games against Texas Tech, and they have a home game against Iowa State, which I would think they'd be favored in. If they can win those three games, that'd be six. Then they need to steal one on the road, and their road schedule's brutal. Texas, Baylor, Kansas, and Iowa State are the road games. They have K-State at home. I think if I think they got to steal one of those road games in order to be safely in, but 7-11 and 11 might do it. Uh, do you think Oklahoma State and West Virginia would both get in, or do you think it has to be one or the other? No, I think they'd both get in. I think the league's too good. Uh, one team you didn't mention, Oklahoma. They're ass. They're absolute rotting ass. And I'm so ashamed at my dumb ass for believing in that stupid waste of a basketball team. Tanner Groves can go fall off the highest mountain in the state of Oklahoma, which probably wouldn't hurt because they don't have mountains in Oklahoma. They have big hills. I've been to a church camp down okay. there with big hills, so it'd be it'd be far. He sucks. Not very far, but kind of so far. much ass, you guys. How did he score thirty five in a game against Kansas? It's the wishes curse that everyone put on Kansas by thirty three to a not very good Pac twelve team a game later. <laughs> Landon said the other day he's glad that team got <laughs> slaughtered in the t- in the NCAA tournament by USC. Yeah. I Landon am. hated that team. I, my, that easily team my least favorite I Kansas team. I was rooting against them at times just for my pick and record to be better. <laughs> and then the next year you actually picked against them every time and it hurt your pick and record. Big 12 standings. What a mess this is. Number one by themselves, Texas. Eight wins in 10 Big 12 games. All alone in second place, just like we all thought at the beginning of the season, is Iowa State. They're 7-3. and three. Yeah, and then in third place, just as we all expected, KU, uh, Baylor, K-State, and TCU all tied at 6-4. and four. If the season ended right now, KU would be 6th in the Big 12 tournament. 
Yeesh. Seventh place, Oklahoma State. Kansas is closer to seventh than first right now. The uh, Cowboys are five and five. I, or, no, what was I saying? Number eight, West Virginia, three and seven. Number nine, Oklahoma, two and eight. I don't know how they beat uh, Alabama. And, yeah, that is a week ago they did. And then uh, who the hell knows with Texas Tech? They are one and nine. They look terrible. Uh, if you want to know how unpredictable the Big 12 is, so if I take the current Big 12 tournament seedings, uh, here is the order. If I take the Big 12 preseason poll, these are the order of the teams based on where they were picked in the preseason poll right now. Uh, Texas, they're leading. They were picked third. Iowa State is eight. So we're going to go third, eighth, uh, fourth, tenth, first, second, fifth, and then the bottom is about right. But so the teams that were picked to win and finish second in the preseason poll are currently fifth and sixth. And the teams that were picked to finish eighth and tenth are currently second and fourth. This conference is a mess. Let's talk about some other games. Uh, we begin where we usually do whenever the number one team loses with the number one team that lost. The nation's top-ranked team went down as number 21 Indiana beat number one Purdue at Assembly Hall 79-74 and the fans rushed to court after the final horn, which got a whole bunch of Blue Blood fans uh, panties in a wad because, you know, we can't ever have fun in college. Don't do that. It was an All-America-worthy performance by Trace Jackson Davis. One day after Rock Chalk Blog said he's not an All-American because he hasn't played well against big teams. Well, here you go. 25 points for him. Zach Eady casually 33 points and 18 rebounds in the loss. Should the Boilermakers remain number one in the polls despite losing a game? Yes. If the options are them and Houston, yes. Yes. Purdue is the best team. They have the best resume. They should be number one. Get Houston out of my life. Uh, Ryan, I know you just read that, but I think you had some particular thoughts for Tennessee and Auburn. Yeah, I do. You read that paragraph, and then I'll read the next one, because the next one is whenever I really get into my opinions, and it's rough. All right, let's do that. Number two, Tennessee bounced back from their loss in Florida, but it was one of the grossest basketball games of all time. Uh, Tennessee, they won. Uh, they beat number 25, Auburn. That sounds great, until you realize the score was that of a shootout football game. 46-43. to 43. The two teams combined... <laughs> To go 30 of 118 from the floor. That's 25% total between the two teams. 5 of 48. 5 of 48. <laughs> Stop taking them. That's 10%. Numbers. The refs were also bad. That's more normal. Uh, Clear-cut foul on the game-tying three by Auburn at the horn. Yeah, but it's not too. like that was ever going to go in. Because, again, 5 of 48. Uh, both these teams should be awarded L's. Neither team won. I, so I have analyzed in my time, I write these notes almost every show, 10 years worth of other games recaps. I have analyzed thousands of box scores in my run on this show. And this is probably the grossest, worst one I've ever seen with my eyes. It is unbelievable. Five for 48. TCU made five threes in the first seven minutes at Allen Fieldhouse. And these teams went five for 48 in the game. Uh, the worst one before this I think I've ever seen also featured Tennessee. Remember the Texas Tech-Tennessee overtime game from a year ago? That one was awful, 15 too. 15 points was... in the second half. Yep. Woof. Yeah. 
57-52 was the overtime score between Texas Tech. Hey, Chris Beard, overtime. that's that's got your stink <laughs> on it. The second half score was 19 to 15. Yeah, that uh that was bad, but I have I don't know if I've ever seen 5 for 48 combined on threes. That's the worst game I've ever seen. And it was supposed to be kind of good. It was two ranked teams. It was a top 10 team at home against another top 25 squad. It should be way better yep. than that. It's not. Again, Rick I'd like Barnes to remind everyone this. right now that the Warriors had 73 at half. Yeah, I don't need any more of this. The, those, they don't play for the love of the game. It, the oh, college athletes I forgot. don't get compensated for, for playing basketball. They do it for the love of the sport. Uh, they're not a bunch of cocky guys who's, who've been to China every, every opportunity. It's, I say it's not get. rigged communism. You're right. I forgot about all that. <laughs> hey, you know who had a big week? Oh, Mary. Landon, you nailed this game. Tell me about it. Yeah, number 18, the Fighting O'Marys of St. Mary made all of America smile, and they took down known DUI collector Mark Fuse-Gonzaga, 78-70 in overtime. (laughs) Even though that's low scoring for overtime, but that's at least proper basketball. The Gales now have a two-game lead in the WCC with six to go as they move closer to ending Gonzaga's 10-year streak of regular season titles. Again, Kansas wins 14 in a row in the Big 12. Gonzaga, you know, barely gets to 10 in the WCC. They're not the same. Nope, not even close. Gonzaga could win 25 straight WCC titles, and it wouldn't be as impressive as Kansas winning 14 Big 12s. Uh, but I still think I'm not going to doubt Gonzaga. They almost won this game in regulation, and it was such a mess at the end that you had some blue check marks on Twitter saying they shouldn't play overtime because players were slipping and falling all over the place. Mark Few was probably very familiar with uh, struggling to keep your balance because you know he got a DUI in in Idaho last year. Uh, so that was pretty funny. Good job, O'Mary. You are America's heroes. Nick best coming team. back to the ACC. Oh, you were going to do it. No, I said a thing. Go for it anyway. Sorry. The best team in the <laughs> Atlantic Coast Conference right now is probably number 23, Miami, who scored a great road win at number 20, Clemson, 78-74. to And now there's a logjam at the top of the conference. The Tigers still lead the league at 10-3. and Pitt, who has won three straight, is 9-3. and Number six, Virginia, who lost to rival Virginia Tech, is also 9-3. and Right behind them are the Hurricanes and the North Carolina State Wolfpack, both 9-4. and And there are six teams all within a game of first place, which nobody cares about because that league sucks. But the real best story in the ACC this week yeah, was is. not Duke, North Carolina. It was the fact that Louisville won a game against a Division I Power 5 opponent. They beat the Card the Cardinals beat Georgia Tech. They're one and eleven in conference play. Guys, three wins this season, only nineteen losses. Tr- things are trending up. Oh, so proud of you, Louisville. You finally won a game for the first time since like the week before Christmas. Happy to see them win. I was hoping they'd go like zero oh, and thirty-one, but you know what? We'll take three and nineteen. That's pretty good. Uh, oh, yeah, and then there's Duke. Uh, this game happened, and it seriously got as low little promotion as I've ever seen a Duke-North Carolina game. Duke beat North Carolina at home in a gross but entertaining 63-57 to game. Hubert Davis, who Nick says should really coach games for a poverty-level middle school, <laughs> did not get Armando Baycott a shot in the final 13 minutes. And then they asked him what went wrong after the game, and what did he do? He did what Rock Chalk Bog does. He blamed the refs. He blamed the refs not calling enough fouls on Duke, which <laughs> I don't know about you, Huber, but I've never seen that happen at Cameron Indoor. Uh, if yes, if the, Hubert the, Davis the, is a coach at a poverty level middle school, is John Shire like 
the the other poverty level middle school that got like four extra dollars john shire is the guy who coaches his son's ymca games yeah john shire is the guy who needs a book that teaches him like how to tie his shoes he's like doing a step-by-step he's like oh crap i tied them together again i can't how to communicate with a woman (laughs) i cannot believe that that man gets paid money to coach basketball like that should make us all feel like crap because we don't get paid money to to coach basketball and john shire does but he is 1-0 against north carolina i guess yay the fact that purdue and uh indiana wasn't uh college game day is insane I agree. Uh, we still have a deadlock atop the Big East. As number 14, Marquette beat Butler. And number 16, Xavier rolled St. John's to move both teams to 11-2 and two in conference. There's also number 24, UConn, who narrowly avoided what would have been their most embarrassing loss yet, barely winning at a terrible Georgetown. Then there's Villanova, who's lost three in a row. They're 4-8 in conference play. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Screw them. They can lose every game. Number four, Alabama beat LSU on the road to move to 10-0 and in the SEC. There are two games ahead of Tennessee and Texas A&M. Uh, Missouri lost a bad Mississippi State team, and Kentucky beat Florida as for their, for their sixth win in their last seven games. Oh, great. Nick has changed my next blurb to Spanish, so I'm just going to – I mean, I wrote this, so I know Arizona beat a lousy Oregon State team. UCLA beat a lousy Wazoo team. And USC's right there, uh, but no one cares about those boring teams in the Pac-12. We want to talk about Cal. Unfortunately, our dream to have Cal and Louisville play at halftime of the Final Four. Uh, <laughs> they're both three and nineteen now, so Louisville has caught up to Cal uh, in the worst Power Five bowl, I guess. Uh, Cal is—they—they've uh, lost a lot of games in a row. That's too bad. And number three, Houston. Uh, they beat, uh, I wrote wrong here. I wrote some notes Temple. wrong. Houston got revenge on Temple. Who the hell cares? If they're number one, then throw that poverty pole in the trash. Ranked teams to lose since the last show. Top ranked. Uh, you know what? We're not going to call them Purdue. Zach Eady, that's who they are. He lost to Indiana. Number six, Virginia. They lost to Virginia Tech, who apparently does not lose games to big teams. Number seven, <laughs> Kansas State lost to Texas. Number eight, damn it, Bill, who's been on this list a lot lately, a little too much for my liking, lost to Iowa State. Number 12, Gonzaga, they lost to O'Mary. Oh, Number 15, Mary. TCU lost to Oklahoma State. Landon, give me your best, O'Mary. Oh, Mary. Oh, Mary. I love, I love whenever you guys just randomly say that. It makes no sense. Nobody listening has any idea what that means. Now maybe they do, but, you know, just hearing random people say, oh, Mary, I don't think it's giving them contact. Number 20, Clemson, continuing along, lost to Miami. I can't, Probably the last time we're ever going to hear Clemson in this column. They're gone forever now. Uh, Ryan, it's a weird thing down here at the bottom. It says number 25 and number two, Tennessee, both lost to each other in the same That's game. That's right, yeah because Ass. yep uh last weekend pick em, we all went seven and three in very different paths to get to the same final destination landon and i are still battling it out you know that meme where it's like a three-headed dragon and two of them are real serious and one of them's like making a clown face that's landon me and nick respectively and pick em this year because nick is like a hundred games behind the leaders that's okay you know what they say in uh in k-state land there's always next year play hard right, chart let's do app Ask RCB. Uh, rapid fire around here because, you know, we're we're going on kind of long today as we typically do after Jayhawk losses. Oh, 17 questions. That's going to be rough. All right, Landon, let's go. At Cam Lipbolt Golf, 
Coke Zero or Diet Coke? Yuck. Any other Third soda? choice. Yes. Pee. I drink pee before I would drink Coke Zero. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I am loading all the questions from at Travius99. Ben McLemore better than Grady Dick? Yes, definitely. McLemore was the best player in the Big 12. McLemore should have won Big 12 Player of the Year. That's ass that Marcus Smart won it. Seriously. McLemore was the best player on the best team. Uh, from at Ryman underscore Justin, how badly are we missing a guy like Christian Brown that brought all um, or brought emotion and fire to the court, Nick? Sorry, can you repeat the question? Uh, Justin uh, wants to know if uh, if we think that the team is missing someone like Christian Brown that's going to bring fire, going to bring emotion, drive to the team. Yeah, I think it's a mix of that. No Chayabaji. I mean, Christian I Brown would have been one of the five best players in the Big 12 if he'd come back. But, but I yeah, think that they miss that. Christian Brown's ability to put the ball in the basket more than that. Like, this team, this team effort and energy isn't a problem. They got a great leader in Jalen Wilson. DeWan Harris is a national champion. You got guys like K.J. Adams who are energy players. And I think the energy is fine. I don't look at them and think there's a lack of effort. I just think that they don't have as many players that are hooping right now that they would like to. At KC Sports Kingdom 1, is it time for Bill to just start recruiting some scores? Seems like he loves guys who will just guard when it seems like scoring continues to be a weakness for teams. Yeah, that's Bill Self for you, but also, like, I think I, I don't think Bill Self is not not looking for scores. Big Royals energy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, at Indy Long 7, it is time for DeWan to start taking over games. He's had some good games this year, but then goes silent. How do we get more consistency out of him, and everyone for that matter, besides Wilson? We kind of talked about that in the recap, guys. You basically just think they got to keep... Grady's got to shoot his way out of it. McCullers got to continue to find what he had at Texas Tech. And Jawan Harris needs to look to be more aggressive. Yeah, totally. Uh, Nick from at Josh Wilson 80, could you match the production that Kansas has gotten from MJ Rice and Cam Martin this year? Yeah, oh, oh yeah. I, I could contribute a little bit more than that. Yeah, and Bill Self tried MJ Rice in this game, and he didn't put forth the effort that I'm sure Self is looking for. Basically, he was just standing there and let a guy get a layup. Like the injuries have put him in a hole, but that that ship has sailed for this year, I'm afraid. Uh, at Stephen Timmy seventeen, uh, has this team actually gotten any quality wins? Even though our losses came against current top fifteen teams, doesn't it suck we don't have any wins of that caliber? I mean, they do. They beat K-State. They beat Indiana, who is going to work their way back in the top 15. Kentucky is a quality win. I don't care what their record is. They're 16-7, and seven, and it was on the road on college game day. Missouri was a good win. They just got a win over Iowa State, the same team we're freaking out over losing to. They beat them at home. I think they're going to beat Texas. Like, yeah, quality. Every win in the Big 12 is a quality win. Isn't every single team in the Big 12 home or away count as a quad one win? I think so. Kansas has the most quad wins of any team in college basketball against the number one strength of schedule. Quality wins and resume ain't a problem. Even if it doesn't seem like it, it still is. Nick, do you know any big men that are right for a transfer to KU? Asks at Daddy McKinnon. Uh, Can Trace we get one of those Davis, Zach Eadies, please? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, here's a great question at aj stevenson uh which statement is more accurate one dewan harris is a national champion winning point guard or two dewan harris was a point guard on a team that won a national championship oh that makes me sick 
I yeah, Remy I saw Martin this was one that team's morning. point guard. Yeah, Remy down the stretch, he 100% guard. was. Yeah. I, I think DeJuan's think... a really good point guard. I still think he's a national championship winning point guard, despite him almost losing that game for Kansas. He needs to be more consistent, but he's still a good, very good point guard. And I still do not believe that at the end of the year, we will be talking about him being the problem on this team. Uh, Here's one at KUJHawks underscore fan. Does Grady Dick come back for another season? I still say 90% no. Agreed. And I, you don't want him to, because that means he's been bad. Yeah, yeah, that that would not be fine the rest of the year. From at Lord Casey, if Patrick Mahomes was coming off his rookie contract this year and had all of the success he currently has, how much would his contract be? (laughs) Um, Let me just, I actually have a drop that says the exact total it would be. Uh, It would be this. And it would go on for the rest of time. Uh, Actually, probably like, like 65 million a year, something like that, 60 million. Yeah, it would be something absurd. And he will. He's not playing out the rest of that contract. It will get upped. Probably so. That feels very likely. At some point. Uh, Nick. Um, at. Oh, no. Go it, for it. Who, 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 go for do it. you want me to read? Or are we yep. alternating? Yep, go for it. Take over. Uh, at KUJHawks underscore fan. Uh, is Kansas going to be stuck with a non-scoring point guard until Dewan Harris graduates? Several question marks follow. Yeah, that's a crappy thought. No. They're not. I'm not Nick, but no, Harris will be fine. No. Yeah, you're right. It, uh, it's, also, it's, it's a struggle, but he'll be okay. Uh, from the same question asker, why didn't Dewan Harris get any better over the summer like Jalen? I think he did. I think he's just he uh, did. struggling right now. He's much better. He's had a bad three or four games. I guess it's a bad like six games. He's so much better than he was a year ago. He's twice as good as he was a year ago. And also, uh, same question asker says, does, does Bill Self still think Bobby's the next Frank Mason? I mean, Frank Mason was a 2,000-point scorer. I think he was a 3,000-point scorer in high school. After Moses Malone, nobody had scored more at his high school. Like, he was a fantastic scoring player in, in high school. I think the only reason people compared Frank Mason to Bobby Pettiford is small, short, fast point guard. I don't think that that was ever a fair comparison, even if I'm even if I made it at some point, Bobby Pettiford is much more of a distributor than a scorer, but I think he's a better scorer than we see. And I would love to see him look to be more aggressive. If he's going to go in games when Harris isn't scoring the ball, he better look to score because they got to get some points out of the one. Uh, from at Udoka Azaboki, uh, why can't we being Kansas get a five star seven footer? Oh, well, if Udoka's writing the questions, can he come back to Kansas? He has the COVID year, after all. I would imagine with all the Big 12 tournament games he missed, he could cash that back in for a year of eligibility. He would, he would, his flight would get canceled and he'd miss the Big 12 tournament. That man was, was destined to never play in a Big 12 tournament. So sad. So ridiculous. Uh, Anything else? Uh, Also from Udoka, Nick, why does Coach Self love undersized small guards? Yeah. Uh, we're overreacting at this point they've lost half of their last seven or eight games all of them against top 15 teams and people are questioning the way this team is configured they're fine they will be fine they'll beat texas by eight or ten tomorrow and we'll be like oh i feel better just relax Uh, i don't know if we asked this one at bob rock why are we not running sets for grady why must every shot come out of the flow of the offense? Now that I agree with. I they ran an elevator oh. screen for him yesterday. Yeah, they did, and it, he missed it. 
Um, I would love to see them run more sets for Grady Dick, but it's easy to say that whenever the defenses are devoting so much manpower to stopping it. They probably are running plays for Grady Dick, but defenses are trying so hard to make it so it's not happening. That's that's priority one for defenses playing against Kansas, shutting down Grady Dick. And can you blame them? Look what happens whenever you shut down Grady Dick. You got a 50-50 chance to beat them, even with Wilson scoring the most points in a six-game stretch that anyone's ever scored at Kansas. Sorry, I'm being very distracted by a, a little short story Nick has posted in the notes. Oh, no. he's, he's Oh, my gosh. What in the world is this? That's why Nick was so quiet. All right, let's move on here. If you ever have any Ask RCBs, use the Twitter hashtag AskRCB. <laughs> Kansas Preview. Big Monday. Number 10, Texas at number 8, Kansas. Texas seems poised to move into the top. I would put them top five right now. Probably be something like five Texas at 10 Kansas on Monday, February 6th at 8 o'clock p.m. And hey, guys, um, Kansas and Texas actually played a big Monday game on the 1st February last year. Let me just go uh, look up how it went. And uh, it it didn't go good. It didn't go good at all. Now, this sounds absolutely impossible, but this is the first time ever that somebody two games ahead of Kansas has played a game at Allen Fieldhouse under Bill Self. Technically, the undefeated Baylor team from two years ago probably counts, but the standings were a lot different, obviously, with that being the COVID season. Um, so, you know, this is the first time in a standard Big 12 season that that has happened. Yeah, everybody had played a different number of games. So Baylor was like nine and zero, and Kansas was like twelve and five, or something like that. Like so, but but in terms of actually, they played the same number of games. Uh, Kansas has never played a team that is two games or more in front of them at any point in a conference game under Bill Self. That is insane, and they've really never faced elimination because if they were to lose to Texas, they are done in the conference race. Pretty much, the Longhorns are nineteen four on the season, eight and two in Big Twelve play. And a very impressive 12-3 and since losing Chris Beard. The improvement of Marcus Carr has been a key for Texas this year as he's now averaging 16 points and 4 assists while shooting a much improved 39% from 3. My favorite name in the entire sphere of, of college basketball, really. Wing Sir Jabari Rice, who comes off the bench, is their leading scorer at 11 points. Though most of his work comes slashing to the basket, Iowa State transfer Tyrese Hunter is the team's point guard with 10 points and 3 assists per game. Yeah, Carr is a star. We saw him play really well in Minnesota. In Minnesota, I need the drop. Um, but he wasn't good last year adjusting. Eh, this is going to surprise you. Chris Beard took a player that's good at offense and made him stink at it. I know that's shocking. Uh, but he has been the biggest uh, jump start for their team this year. They run a two-point guard set with Hunter and Carr together. And uh, kind of the way we've seen Kansas teams do it in the past, it's led to being very careful with the ball and playing very efficient backcourt defense. As for the front court, Timmy Allen, familiar name, is the main big man here, averaging 11-5. and five. He was really good in the game in Austin against the Jayhawks last year. Uh, got all-time Rock Chalk Blog wish list captain Christian Bishop and a pair of Dillons, that's Dylan DeSue and Dylan Mitchell, are the other bigs to note. Bishop is more of a hybrid four who does a little bit of everything. He's a big guy that blocks a lot of shots, but he can also get a lot of buckets in the paint. 
Uh, then there's also Brock Cunningham, who will definitely make a couple late in the shot clock threes before going 0-8 in the three games to follow this one up. Uh, Texas is one of the, of the deepest, most well-rounded teams in the country. They're balanced offensively. Uh, they shoot a very good percentage, particularly from two. They score 80 points a night, and they're over 75% as a team from the free throw line. Carr and Hunter form a backcourt that is top 20 nationally in assists. They're good at protecting the ball as well. But Texas isn't as strong defensively as you'd think. They only shoot 33% as a team from three. They're foul-prone, but it doesn't hurt them as much as you'd think because they do have a lot of depth. I like this Texas team a lot. I really do. I didn't really like it at the beginning of the year because I didn't know if the pieces would fit together. But Carr's improvement has made them so much better than I thought they would. The Carr from last year took too many shots. He was The ball stuck in his hands. That led to very long possessions that didn't often result in high-quality looks despite there being a lot of talent on the floor. That may have been a product of Chris Beard because this year, Chris Beard hasn't been around the team for two months and they played really well under Rodney Terry. I think he's got to be considered for the job at this rate because his Longhorns are in position to potentially win the conference. So what do we think about this one, guys? Mm. Well, Kansas is 1-3 against Texas in the last two years, but they are 17-2 at home in their history against the Longhorns. Then I also added very eloquently Texas and the SEC that they're running off to. No argument to be found here. This might be the last time that they play at Allen Fieldhouse, by the way, because if, if aren't we like a TV contract dispute getting worked out away from them being gone next year? If it can get worked out. So this might be it. Uh, I'll go first because it's no doubt what I think happens in this game. I am betting on the Jayhawks. I love the line, KU minus three and a half. I think that that's way too few points to give Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse against anybody. I don't care the direction these two teams are playing. I will always bet on Bill Self at home with a spread that small against a team that I don't think is better than them. It'd be one thing if it was like that Baylor team a couple years ago that was coming in that was undefeated. I don't think Texas is particularly better than Kansas. I think that Kansas will cover that, and I think they win at home. I think the offense... Texas hasn't been great defending the three in Big 12 play. I think Kansas shoots the ball much better. I think they make it a priority to get Grady Dick going. And I think that Jalen Wilson finally gets the help that he needs from guys like Dick and McCuller. Kansas 78, Texas 71. The Jayhawks get a win and make all of us feel a little bit better. Feels like every single year, whenever they're struggling, there is a late to mid to early some point in February where they win a game at home against a good team by a little more than people are expecting, and it propels them forward. 2013, Kansas had lost three in a row. They come home, they play Kansas State, they rolled them, they took off going forth. Similar effect here. I think the Jayhawks get a win. I think so, too. I'm going to take Kansas to win 81-76. Texas is a very good team, uh, but I do think Kansas is going to win this one at home. I I think, similar to the Kentucky game, like, you just had the feeling this is not a game Kansas loses, and I I think that is going to continue to be the case here. Um, I I think they are going to get at least a little more production out of their guys in this one, but Texas is going to be a really tough matchup for the Jayhawks, uh, but I think in Allen Fieldhouse, um, Kansas wins by five. See, I don't think that they're as bad of a matchup as you'd think. I think that Kansas matches up okay. Kansas's defense has been really good, and Texas's defense hasn't been that good. So I don't know if Texas is going to present a lot of things against that. I, I don't think that this is a team that you look at and you just think, oh, this is a this is a disaster. I don't know. Sorry to cut you off, Nick. I think they'll be okay. 
Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I kind of agree with Landon. I'm going to pick Kansas to win this game as well, 75-70. to 70. I think that the, just the trajectory, and it, it's it's time for them to get a big win. I know they got a big win at home against K-State last week. I think the fans are really going to be an impact, just like the previous game at home. Uh, and I think that the Texas is due to take an L. They, they got lucky, came back against K-State, and credit to them. They've been really great this season without Chris Beard. But I think that overall, uh, the atmosphere in, in Kansas just needing a win, desperately needing a win to stay in the Big 12 race, I think they're going to get it done. And Texas, the only team that hasn't gone through that lull, Iowa State maybe, but Texas has gone through that that lull yet. Well, let's look at how they've gotten 8-2. and two. They trailed Oklahoma, who sucks, by three points with two minutes left came back and won. They trailed Texas Tech, who's 1-9, by 10 at halftime. Came back and won. They trailed TCU by 18 in the first half. Narrowly came back and won. They trailed Kansas State by 13 or 15. Came back and won. Lot of games in there that you can look at it and say if the ball bounces a couple different directions, this team isn't having the record that we think. I think the pendulum swings back a little bit. But that also may prove Kansas may get off to a 12-point lead 12 minutes in, and it might not be safe. Texas has been a second-half team this year. We'll see if that continues. Other games in the Big 12, number 15. These rankings are all going to get shuffled in a big way. Uh, TCU may fall out of the top 25, and Kansas State's going to plunge. Number 15, TCU at number 7, Kansas State, on a Tuesday night in Manhattan. I love TCU, but I don't know how you can pick against them until you see Mike Miles back. Give me the Wildcats at home. Same. Yeah, K-State. Number 13, Iowa State going on the road to Morgantown and playing West Virginia. You guys trust the Cyclones here? Nope. Give me the Mountaineers. Oh, man. I think Iowa State loses. I really do. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think West Virginia wins this game. Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. This is a sneaky little upset pick. I think Oklahoma State is due to maybe regress a little bit. I don't trust them as much at home. I will take the Red Raiders on the road in this spot. I think the the difference between these two is notable, so I will take Oklahoma State. Yeah, Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma at number 11, Baylor. Hello, Bear game, literally. Uh, The Baylor will rip Oklahoma a new one. Probably. Yep. Other games, rankings will shuffle, but this is what we got for now. Duke at number 23, Miami on Big Monday. I think the Hurricanes might be the best team in the ACC. I think they beat John, I'm I'm with stupid Shires team here. Agreed. Yep. Number 14, Marquette at number 24, UConn. All in on Shaka. Golden Eagles on the road. Uh, UConn at home. Golden Eagles. Our record picking UConn games has been so awful this year. I'm done with them. They can win this game and I won't care. Arkansas at Kentucky. Both teams in the preseason top 10 and neither one of them are ranked right now. I will pick Kentucky at home. I think they got it going on. Same. Sure. Number 22, San Diego State at Utah State. Not a great slate of pick games to pick here, but I'll go with the home team. Give me the Aggies at home. How good. Oh, Utah State's actually kind of good. Um, what's their actual record? Gotta see. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. They're give not me, large. The Aggies. Probably, yeah. Aztecs. Number 18, St. Mary's at Loyola Marymount. Third best team in their conference. I say they take down the leaders. I have no confidence that anybody's gonna hold off Gonzaga. I will take Loyola Marymount at home. Oh, Mary. Oh, Mary. St. Mary's. You have to say it in the in the good way. Oh, Mary. Beautiful. Uh, All right. That 
That I, I'm always happy whenever I hear it like that. <laughs> so our next show is going to be a little bit later this week. We got a uh, Jayhawks game Saturday in Norman against Tanner Groves. Are you excited to watch how that disgrace of a roster somehow makes Kansas sweat for 38 and a half minutes before Grady Dick hits a game a game dagger, game sealer? I'm going to be in Michigan that weekend, so I would probably won't get to see it, unfortunately. You will take off your pants and your balls will freeze together in two seconds and it will not be as painful as watching Tanner Groves awaken from his season-long slump and score 30 points against the Jayhawks. Yeah, you're right. That will happen. Both those things will happen. So are you out on the next show then? Are you out this weekend? I am out this weekend. I'm going to a wedding uh, back in Michigan, see some old friends, so I'm gone. So you're gone the next two shows. Uh, probably, probably depending on when officially wow. we record. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, definitely right. be out for the right, next, I'll be out for the Texas recap for sure. All right, Nick, just you and I, that means we get to talk all the crap we don't like about Landon. Can't wait. Hopefully the Jayhawks don't lose mm. and fill us with a bunch of crap we have to talk about instead. This is inside the paint. I'm Ryan Landreth. I'm Melvin Weatherwax. <laughs> and I am, uh, Who's the guy? Who's the home improvement guy at Baylor? Uh, Chip Gaines. Whatever. Oh, uh, the freaking Property Brothers asshole. Oh, I can't say that on the air. No, Sorry. that's Chip Gaines. Oh. Property Brothers aren't. That's a, a different show. Yeah, it is Chip Gaines. Chip and Joanna Gaines. They can go screw themselves sideways. Tired of seeing them oh, there. They seem nice. Way, they clap like the. They, they do the white person clap where they just look like middle aged parents clapping as. Baylor gets baskets and Kansas doesn't, and I'm sad. <laughs> well, when you phrase it like that, I'm mad at them too. <laughs> Whatever. All right, say goodbye to Landon, Nick, because he's leaving us for a while. Bye, Landon. Have fun in Michigan. Oh, I will. More fun than here. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.